Welcome back everyone to the Spa Sisters podcast with Julie Wren and myself Carly Chamberlain. We love doing this podcast because it's about reaching out to therapists, engaging with them, inspiring them, sharing stories about other people's lives, their journeys in the beauty and spa world. And uh, today we continue that conversation with our wonderful guest who it's amazing that we've even managed to get her on this podcast because I have never known someone who works so hard and so fast in my life. So Helen Kane, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. Uh, it's a real pleasure to have you. Uh, and we are gonna get a little insight into Helen's journey so far, uh, which is very exciting. And I suppose the first question I wanna ask you, Helen, is how I know you is very sort of spiritual and um, and centered person who knows herself. And I think that that doesn't just happen, you know, we that takes time. So my first question is, you know, we know a little bit about your background, working in cabin crew, and now being a global director of spa operations. H how did that happen? <laughs> well, <laughs> firstly, thank you so much for having me today. Um, even though I'm 100 miles an hour, I love doing something like this. So thank you. Um, I don't think my journey is probably typical um, as a therapist. So it's probably good to outline kind of how I got here. Um, I started as a beauty therapist, um, having done a private beauty course um, in Southampton, where I live. And I worked in a Clarence Gold Salon for nearly four years. I loved it. I learned a lot. Um, I was booked three months in advance, but I then knew that it was time that I needed to literally spread my wings. And so I applied for the role of at the time, they had in-flight beauty therapists at Virgin Atlantic. And I applied thinking, there is no way in this world I'm going to get that job. Because when I was at the interview, everybody had stood up and said, I've worked on cruise ships. Um, I've worked for VIPs in London. I'm in the Harrods Beauty Hall. And when I stood up and said, I work in a Clarence Salon in Southampton, I really felt that they were basically going to tell me to sit down. But anyway, um, I got through to the stage um, and I was one of the first in-flight beauty therapists at Virgin Atlantic. And, and that was a long time ago. I won't divulge my age, but that was a long time ago. Um, and at the time, it was long trips, so like seven nights in Cape Town, two nights in New York. And I absolutely lived the dream. I flew full time for about, I'd say, up for four years. Then I started to move up the ranks because as the role progressed and, and more and more therapists came on board, there was opportunity. And so I became an assessment therapist, which meant that I looked after therapists that had just joined to show them the ropes. Because being a therapist on board an aircraft is a very different role to being a therapist in a treatment room. Um, and then I progressed to trainer 
Um, and in the training role, I absolutely adored the training role. And I would teach the 23 plus therapists that we'd have in groups come through because we were growing so rapidly um, in how to do the treatments on board and basically um, kind of induct them into the life of Virgin. And then I became a beauty performance manager, the, the first role um, of its kind. I'm very good at startup roles, as you'll find as we work through my career history. But I was the first beauty performance manager in charge of the 19 in-flight assessment therapists. Um, and I was at Virgin Atlantic in that for 14 years. Wow. And then after... 14 years the decision was made to remove the service from on board and at the time there were over four nearly 400 therapists that had um and I was number 15 to be taken on so that shows you the growth um how quickly it, it progressed it was devastating for for anyone that watches this and I know there are some ex-therapists in the industry that are now spa directors that will probably watch this um, it's still one of those days that I remember well that, um, you know, we were all in a room, nearly 400 of us, and they told us that they were re revising the, the service. So we were all offered to go back as cabin crew. But at the time, I'd had my daughter and she was 18 months old and I didn't want to go back full time flying. And so I believe opportunities put themselves in front of you. I've believed that my entire life. Um, and literally a door opened to Virgin Limited Edition. And Virgin Limited Edition um, is a kind of part of Virgin, but a different company. And it's Richard's homes really around the world. Necker Island's the most pivotal, the one that everyone talks about. And they'd had a connection with the in-flight beauty therapists at Virgin because they would send them there and do um, like three, maybe three month kind of sabbaticals really to the properties. But with the therapist going, there was no therapist coming to support the properties. And so they needed a spa director to basically, again, a startup role. So something that had never been done before, um, but they needed somebody to, to create a role and to support the, the properties of which there were four at the time. I threw my hat into the ring, as did half of the um, in-flight beauty therapists or assessment therapists. I had an 18-month-old daughter. Um, I had no reality of how that would work, obviously traveling around the world. But again, I think you've got to grab everything with both hands. And if an opportunity arises, you make it work. Um, and so I did, and I got the role. Oh, wow. And when the managing director called me, um, I think I had Georgia in the background, like I say, she was a baby, and he asked me a couple of questions, which I thought was really quite random. Um, and then the, my my new boss then called me afterwards and said, and started talking as if I'd got the job. And I said, oh, have I actually got the job? And she said, did he not tell you when he called you that you've got the job? No. So, um, yeah, I started a role then, which probably is, I'd say still, you know, they've never replaced me. So um, I think it was a very, very different role. Uh, I traveled a lot worldwide to the four properties that were there to start with. So that included 
um, Morocco, Switzerland, South Africa and the British Virgin Isles. And then I opened two properties with them through my 10 years that I was with them, which was Montrachal in Cape Town and Mahali, Missouri in Kenya. So I would go around away for about a week. Um, and the rest of the time, my my kind of objective or my yeah, my objectives for the role were to to create businesses for the spas rather than just an add-on within the property. And I think I learned a lot. I had great man I had great managers. Um, you know, I still would if she was watching this, I'd shout out to her, but it's not her area. Um, but I think that, you know, you learn a lot from the people that manage you. Sometimes not always good, but I've had some good managers in my time. And she definitely was one that taught me a lot. And then I switched to operations and I was under the operations director when she retired. And I think that took it to another level for me because I became very numbers driven. And that's not normal in the spa industry. So again, I say the operations director taught me a lot too to position me from fluffy spa to number driven um objective. So yeah. Oh Helen, this is I could listen to you all day. <laughs> Honestly, I love these stories and you bring them to life, which is just amazing. And it feels like you've always been a very intuitive open-minded person so at what point did you have a moment in your life where you kind of felt like you um had a connection to the spirit world or because I know that this story goes on and 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 I want you to share that with us but at, did you kind of know that you were spiritual this whole time or was this something that evolved and you went on I think to be more in a corporate environment which I'll let you talk about but how do you juggle those very opposing things corporate numbers driven person versus spiritual you know calling okay so I mean it is it's it's quite a story so I'll try and keep I'll try and keep it succinct so I think I'd always known that I had something um I call it intuition, maybe to start with. I would walk into a room, I would feel the energy of people, I would I would read the room quite effectively. Um, and in training at, at Virgin Atlantic, everyone always wanted to know their colours, their auras. And so I that, that was part of literally like part of my lesson every day. They were like, What colour am I today, Helen? You um see colours, but you didn't know. I mean, not not necessarily see them. I think sometimes you just you know the color. Like you don't you. Don't, I don't see rings of color around people. I look at someone and I know what color they are. It's very weird. And where did that start? I lost my mum when I was quite young. Well, I early twenties. Um, and six months after she died, I went to have a treatment at a spa, and I had reflexology. And halfway through the reflexology treatment, the therapist suddenly looked at me and said, you've just lost somebody really close to you quite recently. And I burst into hysterical tears, couldn't stop sobbing. And she said, listen, I want you to know that she's there on the other side and she's opened a door and you have such a gift 
but you just don't want to walk through the door. And then I guess it became like a bit of an unlocking. Um, I'd meet mediums within five minutes of being in my presence. They they tell me that when was I going to see or know that I could see things. But I think the medium side of my call it intuition or spirituality has I've closed the door on that because I probably am fearful about obviously not wanting to see my mum having dealt with that. I think it's only at the grand old age that I am now that I'm comfortable enough with that side of it and realise that actually you can you can actually control what you see. It's not it's not flooding through you unless you want it to be. Mm. But it kind of evolved because obviously from the point of the colour reading in the in the training to being on board night flights and palm reading. Don't ask me how I can palm read and apparently quite effectively. Um, and I've never obviously researched how to palm read. So that's just strange. But I guess I've kept the two very separate from kind of work and um, well, not at Virgin because Virgin is is allows you to be yourself and allows you to be um to embrace every area but as i walk as i went into the corporate side of um work that did become more difficult mm. um and i think so i actually started working for a hotel group that had 10 hotels and i ended up um, being the spa director group spa director for them i think at that point in my life which was before pre-covid leading up to covid i think i it's very difficult to manage a corporate environment with spirituality and i think that even in the two years that have passed it's become a lot more open now that i've got to this role i'm seeing that they're more open to it but at the time that i was there i probably had to hide quite a lot of that because i worked in a very male environment i sat on a an exec meeting and being the only woman. So if I'd have started reading the colours of the men in the room, I think they probably would have marched me out. So I guess I was just very careful about it then. But I guess that's probably part of my bigger mission now, having been in that environment. It's really interesting you say that because, you know, you're quite empowering and that that sort of thing about being in a room full of men actually the influence you had was probably quite powerful yeah I think I was I think I was probably quite calming I people that know me quite well will will probably know that they don't I don't get I don't show stress very easily that's not to say that it's not there um but I'm very good at hiding it just simply because the roles I've done yeah startup is never easy it's it's not for everyone um you know having nothing to refer to when you start a role you know and the, and the third role I did um at the at the group of hotels at harbour that was a role that never existed again blank lot blank laptop mobile phone do what you need to do and that is stressful but I think I thrive in a stressful environment maybe it's linked to my spirituality and and how I ground myself so so bringing it back to spirituality within the spa space we know now that spirituality is almost trendy and we want people to be more open-minded and um and kind of 
have treatment experiences that access the very holistic side of people and and but there's still some resistance in our industry julie do you want to kind of expand on this yes i would love to i mean we talk about soulpreneurs you know why can't we do business with a heart so you know if we take that concept what do you feel are, are the biggest obstacles perhaps today that maybe spas or hospitality teams facing when they want to do that more soulpreneuring if you like if i can use that word you know to be more to show that more holistic side that more caring because we are in a touch therapy business so it would only be natural that that would want to come through so how do we actually combine that in a way that is not seen as what some people say is woo-woo, you know? That we... <laughs> I still sometimes refer to it as woo-woo, Julie. Yeah. It's hilarious that, that you say that because that's what I talk about. Um, I think going back to when I was at the Harbour Group and being surrounded by men and I guess being a very corporate part, I think it was probably my mission, having been through that, to try and embrace it for therapists. Mm -hmm. I think that the biggest issue, being a spa director background, is that therapists are burnt out. And I think they're burnt out because they don't realise that any reason 